This is HPR episode 1944 entitled SSHFS Secure SL File System. It is hosted by 5150 and is about 31 minutes long. The summary is how to mount remote storage using SSHFS. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Howdy folks, this is 5150 for Hacker Public Radio, and today I'm going to deal with a topic Ken Fallon has been trying to get someone to speak on for years now, and that's SSHFS, the Secure Shell File System, and there, the, I've long been a user of SSH, uh, but I haven't, uh, I, I've declined to do the show because I thought, well, you can't really just start there. You've got to deal with the whole topic of SSH. So I always looked at it as a series of shows and thus never got started on it. Now, fortunately, in the past couple months, other hosts have come on and given us a pretty good foundation in SSH. So I can do the SSHFS as pretty much a standalone show. Now, I'm, I'm going to start by reading from the top of the man page for SSHFS, again, which stands for Secure Shell File System. And it says it's a file system for Linux and other operating systems with a fuse implementation, such as Mac OS X or FreeSB, capable of operating on files on a remote computer using just a secure shell login on the remote computer. On the local computer where the SSHFS is mounted, the implementation makes use of the fuse or file system in user space kernel module. The practical effect of this is that the end user can seamlessly interact with remote files being securely served over SSH just as if they were local files on his slash her computer. On the remote computer, the SSH, F, or I'm sorry, on the remote computer, the SFTP subsystem of SSH is used. In short, it's my opinion that SSH offers a dead simple way of mounting remote network volumes uh, from, an, from another system on a specified mount point on your local host uh, with the added benefit of encrypted data communications. It's perfect for ad hoc connections on mobile computers or for more permanent links. This tutorial is going to be about how I use SSHFS. I'm not going to delve into every conceivable 
argument that can be used with SSHFS because most of them I haven't used myself and all I would be doing is essentially reading the man page and probably interpreting it poorly. I think uh, what I do with SSHFS is going to cover the vast majority of use cases and so we'll just stick to what I'm doing so we don't make things too complicated. There are other ways to mount storage, uh, most notably Samba. But unless you're trying to connect to a Windows share, it's my opinion that SSHFS is far less trouble to set up, especially since most distros come with SSH server already installed. Uh, and that's all you need on the remote system. You don't need SSHFS on the remote system. You just need, uh, need to have SSH server running. And the first thing you need to do when preparing to use SSHFS is to create a mount point on your local computer. For most purposes, I recommend that this should, would be a, a folder inside your home folder. You should plan to always leave this folder empty uh, because SSHFS won't mount inside a folder that already has files in it. So all you should be using this folder for is as the SSHFS mount point. Now, maybe if I had a machine that had multiple users, instead of setting up uh, SSHFS uh, mounts under each user's home directory, let's say you, had, you, you have a home server and you have shared video files or something, home, you know, home videos, uh, home photographs, whatever, and that's what you're using your server for. And you want everybody to have access to that. And you do. You have one machine with multiple logins and multiple users. So instead of doing uh, having each for each user mounting SSHFS uh, in, into a in, into their home folder, perhaps you'd want to do a common folder someplace, and then uh, so that would show up in the home folder. You could you you could use a symlinks in every. Uh, every user's home folder so that it would appear that this co this common folder somewhere on the computer was in every user's home folder. I Really, I think it's probably just as easy to use SSHFS for each user because they're not all going to be... Well, they can't possibly... Well, I wouldn't say can't possibly. For most people's use cases, only one user is going to be logged into one uh, machine at once. That's just because the way modern PCs are built. While... Linux and Unix are multiple user operating systems. We tend to use them at home at least one, one user at a time. And I'm making this far more complex than I had intended. So let's go on to the next uh, topic. Uh, SSHFS the command syntax reminds me a lot of the other extended commands uh, based on SSH, like SCP. So the basic format is command sshfs space your username on the remote computer at ip address of the remote computer and of course if you've got the host name for that computer set up somewhere you could just you to set up somewhere to revolve to resolve to an ip you could use of course a host name now this is very important after the ip or the host name you have to you have to include a uh, right after that needs to be a colon 
and you look at my example in the show notes and I'm going to explain that in a minute what that uh, and then space and then the mount point on your local computer so slash home slash your username slash the folder you created to use as a mount point okay now some people are going to need um, more than just the basic options I know that I do so uh, let's cover those okay well uh, I'm going to give a real world example for my system my home server is on 192.168.2.153 I mentioned again you you could use a host name instead of the IP for the sake of the argument uh, let's say the my mount point for network storage is slash home slash 50 slash storage so then I would mount um, storage on my from my server in my home directory by use, go, uh, issuing sshfs space 50 at 192.168.2.153 colon space slash home slash 50 slash storage now of course you could always use a relative path uh, to to the uh, uh, the mount point if you're in your home folder then of course you could just use storage you wouldn't have you wouldn't have to do the explicit path from the root I I prefer to do it that way use an explicit path but you certainly don't have to and then your whole home directory on your remote system will be mounted uh, will will appear to be in that folder so in other words uh, what's what's on my what appears on my server to be slash home slash 50 uh, every file in there on my laptop shows up in slash home slash 50 slash storage now let's say you don't want to remote uh, mount your whole uh, remote folder in the case of my server or your yeah your remote home folder in the, in the case of my server I have I have a folder called storage under my home folder, so I'm I'm using the same uh, uh, folder name on uh, both machines. But if I mount that if I mount storage under storage on my uh, home server, then on my or I'm sorry, on my uh, workstation on the workstation, the folder looks like uh, home or I'm sorry looks like slash home slash 50 slash storage slash storage uh, so wouldn't it be easier if I could mount if I could just go directly into that storage folder because I usually I have no reason to mess with the configuration files and all that on the server if I want to in my home folder on the server if I want to get into that I can SSH into the server and manipulate those on the server rather than trying to manipulate them uh, as as mounted files but the uh, well let I'll get to the butt in a minute so you know let's so let's say again if I, I probably clear this up some all your shared storage is in a folder that's underneath your home folder on your server and that's all you that's all you want to share uh, is your shared storage I mean shared in my case not between other people but between other computers I've got a lot well I've got laptops that only have 500 gig 
Uh, I've got uh, you know Raspberry Pi. Some of them don't aren't running with external storage, and so make it e- make, well for one thing to make a shared place to transfer files from one to the other. Uh, I'll, that's a that's a good use for a, a shared server. And the other thing is archive files, ISOs, uh, podcasts, video you know uh, videos or whatever that I may have downloaded uh, and I want to be able to see these on each of my computers so instead of when I uh, when I say well I'd like to download that YouTube video and look at it later instead of downloading it to my laptop's hard drive which again is only 500 gig I download it to the 5 terabyte uh, storage on the server and then it's it's available to any workstation on my network so I said I've all that stuff, the archives, things I want to share, things not to do with the operation of the server or of my account on the server. That's in a subfolder of my home home directory on the server. So the easy way to mount that is I could I can in other words if I don't if I don't want to deal with all that stuff in my home folder, I just want to deal in the subfolder under my home folder and that's what I want to share I can modify the command to be sshfs space 50 at 192.168.2.153 colon storage space slash home slash 50 slash storage so in other words what whatever you put uh, after the colon it, it's a uh, sshfs is assuming you're starting in whatever username that you gave it, you're starting in their home folder. And you say, well, I don't want to have, you know, I, I don't want to mount everything in my home folder. I just want to mount this uh, subdirectory that's in my home folder that has all the stuff that I want to share between all my computers. Well, that's how you do it. You, you put in the name of that subdirectory after the colon. But in any case, the colon's always got to be there. Whether you've got, whether you've got a, uh, subdirectory behind it or not, and of course you can use, you can you could go down several subdirectories if that's what you wanted to do, and if you could also do it, uh, you know, you could do it explicit. You could do the colon and then slash home slash fifty slash storage. I don't think you could do like colon slash and dump yourself into the root directory. I don't know. I guess I've never tried that. Uh, you might be able to walk around the root directory, but unless your user has root access, you wouldn't be able to modify anything, certainly. And But now we come to the rub on my, uh, in my situation. Since my server is a Raspberry Pi and the 5 terabyte uh, shared storage for the network, uh, essentially a NAS, it's... Uh, uh, it's an external five terabyte hard drive. Now it it auto mounts under media automatically just by pl- being plugged in during boot up. But I want to have that, you know, uh, I need to have that mounted in my home folder so I could access it with the SSHFS, with the home folder on the server. And so I use a symlink to to symlink that. Uh, subdirectory that's under slash media into my home folder now apparently you 
um, you uh, a lot of distributions do not like to uh, using SSHFS go directly into a sim link. Now I was able to do it with my uh, uh, Debian, and I thought I'd been able to do it with other uh, other distros before, but I haven't been able to do that in Ubuntu, and I haven't been able to do it with uh, OpenSUSE. If if I try to go in straight down to the storage folder, it gives me an error. If I if I go into the uh, uh, my uh, my home folder, no problem, and then I can work my way down to the uh, to the storage folder. Now, okay, this this is another thing that's very important. That you need to remember if you have any sim links, and you probably should just start out assuming, even if you don't have sim links on your server now, that sometime you might. You need to append the option dash o space follow underscore sim links your sshfs command because if you don't do that it's uh the the sim links are not you're not going to be able <coughs> sim links are not going to be recognized as folders and you're not going to be able to navigate into them now the dash o follow sim links comes at the end of the command which is also unusual where you we're usually we're used to arguments in linux uh commands directly following the uh, command itself and uh, bef- and before the parameters in other words uh, the the ser- the server you're mounting to and the, and the um, and the mount point we we, we would usually expect an, uh, an argument to come first in this in this case it goes the end there's a, there's other arguments which uh, which I'm about to get to for SSHFS that do come directly after the command. Uh, one I think is probably most pertinent is dash p for ports. Let's say you're not doing this on your local network. Let's say you actually want to mount storage from a server located out on the internet. Well, you can do that, but probably as we as we uh, found out with uh, the Hoku's episode, if there if there's a server out there on the internet with an open SSH port. If if the administrator knows anything about what they're doing, that's not on default port 22. It's on something else. So that's where your dash p comes in. So and that let's say uh, the server theoretical server out on the internet, it's got SSH running on port 1022. Uh, then your command would look more like sshfs space dash lowercase p space 1022 space username at IP address colon subfolder if there is one uh, space local mount point space dash O uh, also lowercase O uh, space follow underscore symlinks and uh, reading through the man page the only other thing that I think uh, the average user might want uh, need it. there's also a dash o space allow underscore root which I would expect means would mean that you could uh, log in direct rather than logging into a user's or I'm sorry rather than mounting a user's home folder you would you would uh, mount all the storage on the machine directly from root 
I, I assume you'd also have to be logging in as root user to do this. I don't, I really would not recommend any of that, but obviously it is an option. Because so I do know uh, where this is pro, I happen to know that in general, if you SSH in them into a machine as root, you're not going to be at Oh, this is this hard to explain. You're not going to be at, at slash the top level root. You're going to be literally in slash r o o t, and that's sort of the home directory for the root user. It doesn't. It's not in with the uh, regular home directories. And the and the reason I know that uh, years ago I uh, bought a a Chumby clone, uh, different brand but sort of the same. Uh, uh, sort of the same setup. I think they were related somehow. Run and running all the little apps, and I found out really I couldn't find any of the little apps, uh, user made or otherwise, that were available that was anything that was interesting to me. It's supposed to be like a digital alarm clock, or rather, uh, I guess it could be di- digital, but a uh, a smart alarm clock. So I just plugged in a external hard drive to it and uses a server. But the three or four years I used it, uh, I never did find. A, I I could create uh, regular users, but it never would. I don't know why it never would allow me to SSH into the boxes anything but root. So that's how I knew you you wind up in slash in slash R O O T uh, if you log in as uh, log in as root. And I don't think uh, there's no sub no subfolders under that. So I don't think you'd be able to really go anywhere. If 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 you uh, if you mounted slash root, yeah. If some, it, yeah. The the chumby got me into trouble. Really, if if any, uh, I, I'm sure you, a lot of you folks listening to this probably hang out in uh, the free node channel, uh, Ogcast Planet. And the first the first day I had it, I I was on Android application. I think Anchat in IRC. And because I was eating in a restaurant and proudly told everybody that I'd spent the previous evening playing with my 8-inch chumby. But, you know, spell check kind of uh, bit me on that. So everybody thought I was being rude. So that's, uh, that, that's an interesting story that probably should make this episode explicit. Okay, um... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh... Also, at this point, I could explain to you how to modify your slash Etsy slash fstab to automatically mount an SSHFS partition, but I'm not going to do that because pretty much universally storage is mounted before the network is up and running. So, you know, any anything modifications you made to the Etsy fstab would be ignored or maybe even cause a crash because there's no there's no uh, network out there for the remote file to be mounted on. Now, of course, if you really wanted to do it that way, you you could modify uh, the order in which systems are loaded in Linux so that the network will be up and running by the time slash Etsy slash fstab was processed. I just think it's a whole lot easier if you want to automatically uh, connect to the to the server or mount or mount the server. Just 
put whatever part of the commands we've been talking about uh, that are appropriate for your situation into a shell script and have that shell script be mounted automatically at some point after logon. Another thing we want to look out for, let's say, uh, well, sometimes you'll mount the remote partition or the remote storage and for an unknown reason, uh, the network connection will break and you don't you don't notice that or maybe you reboot the computer and you forget uh to uh to run your uh, shell script uh to to mount the remote uh, storage let's say you go into a browser like uh firefox and you click on a link to download and it just happens that uh, it's in it uh you're satisfied with the download folder on I mean let's say your last download was to a point on the server on that on the FSH FS uh, shared storage and so you you're, you're going to store it right in the same place so you you just click on save well it's not going to check that the server's mounted because it's that's transparent to the browser. It, it doesn't know that that's a uh, remote storage mount point. So it's going to go in your mount point in your home directory and say maybe that was several subfolders down on the server. It's going to create all those folders and then that one lone file. Or maybe if you selected several files to download. And then you'll look and see, well, my server's not mounted, but I've got, it looks like all those folders are in there. But assume, assuming your, your, uh, directory structure branches at some point it's going to be awful obvious oh yeah it's just it there's a, it's only stored this one path and at the bottom of that path there's this file i downloaded so that's easy to fix you copy so you don't have to reload download it you copy that file somewhere else on your local hard drive then you go to your mount point in your home folder and you you just delete all those junk folders that were created then you reestablish your uh, mount to the server and when you get all that done go back wherever you say wherever you copy that file to and then move it over to the server and it's fairly simple but it's 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 something to watch out for okay oh um yeah skipped over one thing see the other day you know i told you about the option the dash o uh follow sim links uh, so that's something I have to put on every every time. I'd I'd set up this other computer to actually process or help me process some of the audio files from uh, the New Year's Eve show, so I could you know, run Audacity on more than one computer. And all all those all those files were saved to storage on the server. And like a big dummy, I forgot the dash o file sim link. So. Yeah, I mounted the server, but the subfolder that I needed to access wasn't there because I didn't put in follow sim links. So rather, I mean, rather than rebooting the uh, uh, the local computer, which would have taken care of it, because uh, the the command you need to unmount uh, the uh, an SSHFS uh, remote volume is fuser mount space dash. Uh, lowercase u space and then the mount point you know path path to wherever that mount point is and then you'll you look at that mount point it'll be a pristine uh empty directory again and then you can go back and 
and uh, remount your uh, network storage. And this time, remember to put in dash O space follow underscore symlinks, and you'll be back in business. Okay, we do have. I have been asked in this last week when I'm going to do another 5150 Shades of Beer. And my answer is it's probably going to be a little while because I still have all those conference interviews and topics from last year. I still have tech stuff I want to do. and I just don't want to take away from getting some of those more serious shows out uh, just to talk about beer. But as I have been wont to do recently, uh, I, I am reviewing one beer tonight along with the technical topic uh, our beer for tonight and I, I apologize to this brewery because I'm going to butcher the name uh, we and Stefan Hanner or, or we and Steph Hanner or V and Steph Hanner I guess that's that's pretty close and the, and the particular beers they're Vitus and is described on the bottle as a Weizenbach so what does that what does that mean well you should, re- should remember from previous episodes, Wizen wheat, Bach is a strong lager. So this is a strong wheat lager. And it's 7.7 alcohol by volume. So yeah, that's not, that's not bad on that scale. And the main thing that, uh, about this beer that I notice is the uh, carbonation. Very, very effervescent uh probably not going to be able to pour the whole bottle into a glass until you wait for the head to subside a little bit pours with a lot of head for a uh, high abv beer so i imagine some they're doing something in their process to uh intentionally increase the carbonation i think uh they describe as a fairly yeasty beer so that that would explain a lot of it it's uh pours sort of a uh, uh, cloudy amber but there's no you know dead loose yeast floating around like you will see with some uh, craft beers so all the yeast is consumed or at least they filter it out before they put it in the bottle uh, aroma definitely some aroma of banana I would you know I cheated I looked at the website to see their description uh yeah, and I, I could probably I could probably be pushed to say that I smell some apricot apricot in there maybe, but you, as far as flavor, def definitely you know you're drinking a wheat beer, and it's a little on the fruity sweet side, not not certainly not cloyingly, uh, but uh, it's only uh, 17 international bitterness units, so not uh, not a very hoppy beer by any means it's a quite pleasant beer it's like I said I uh, I'm not that appreciative of beers that I have to hunt around and try to figure out what that you know the taste it's not it's not a very boldly flavored beer and the and the uh, main the, the the main attribute seems to be the carbonation so I'm not you know certainly an enjoyable beer but probably one that I'm not going to seek out again in the future okay (coughs) well I've been 5150 your host this evening for Hacker Public Radio 
We're getting kind of short on shows. I think that may change once we get the uh, hit with the New Year's Eve stuff. But still, we're con- we're kind of in a slump right now. Would appreciate you folks sending in some shows. And uh, with that, I'll sign off for this evening. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.